0: Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. My name is Brett Freeman. I am the publisher and owner of a media company in the Hudson Valley, New York. I launched this podcast to highlight and discuss topics without fear. My aim is to have a free exchange of ideas and an open and honest discussion on the issues of the day. Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. My name is Brett Freeman. Uh, I'm here today with Tom Waligorski and Brian Marshauser and Bob Dumas. The three of them, they edit our five newspapers in Maypack, Somers, Yorktown, North Salem, and the Katona-Lewisboro School District. So uh, welcome, gentlemen. I want to actually jump first to to Tom. And, and I will say um, I learned of this yesterday on Facebook when it first came out. I quickly, I called my parents. I was like, I'm very upset because there was a fire in heritage hills my parents live in heritage hills in the 960 range of of homes uh, and i knew that uh, the fire was real close to their house and Turns out it was a pretty tragic fire. So, Tom, if you want to talk about that.
1: Yeah, you know, not to start us off on a a bad note here today, but um, yes, can be one of our big stories for Somers next week is uh, it was a two alarm structure fire in Heritage Hills started uh, around four o'clock yesterday. That was uh, February 16th. And yeah, actually, um, heavy fire, smoke damage. Um, We actually they requested mutual aid from pretty much every surrounding town, you know, even including some of Bob and Brian's uh, departments and everything. Um, They got the fire under control by 6 o'clock. It was completely out by 11, but uh, unfortunately, there was a fatality. Uh, Actually, a woman and her dog both passed away. So, yeah, uh, you know, just tragic for the uh, Heritage Hills community, for Somers in general. Um, The uh, cause of the fire is still actually under investigation by the uh, fire department and the state police. Yeah, that was kind of a um, bad call to get yesterday.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I know there was also, um, you know, I'm looking at an email actually from my dad, you know, who's been talking to his neighbors and apparently yes, there's a, there's a disabled individual who had been injured as an NYPD detective he lives a few doors down from the unit that was destroyed and and uh, he was not home at the time you know thank god because i think it would have been very difficult for him to have escaped so, well, especially you know, anybody
1: that's familiar with Heritage Hills, you know, those those condos in, in places are are very close together. So, no, this, I mean, you know, it's tragic, but this could have been a whole lot worse if, you know, the, the response wasn't as quick as it was.
0: Yeah, I have to say, like, when I go to visit my parents' house, you know, anytime there's any kind of, you know, big storm of trees go down, I get worried for my parents because there's no basements. Um, well, I guess every unit is different. My, my parents, you know, there's no basement. So, God forbid there was ever like a tornado or something like that, like, or a big storm of trees going down. Like, you know, Heritage Hills. Definitely. Uh, I don't know. I get, I get nervous with with some of that stuff.
2: Supposed to have stuff. a real windy storm tonight.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah.
2: yeah. 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 I got
1: the I uh, got the alert about it before there. Yeah. I know, Bob. You have a
0: you know, <laughs> yeah, I was you waiting
2: have, for you to bring that up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you have, You have a tree next to your house that I think is probably like the biggest tree <laughs> in the Hudson Valley. I don't I don't it think is. I've ever seen a bigger tree in Hudson Valley than next to your house.
2: It, it was funny. I was just looking at it yesterday and thinking, there's Brett's tree. You know? yeah.
0: That's like a California like redwood. I mean, like, that's a giant big tree looming over Bob's house. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, it's right, like, literally 20 feet outside my kitchen window. And Brett likes to point out all the time that if I ever came down, I'd be in big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Actually,
0: Brian, you have a big tree in front of your house, too. Yeah,
3: yeah. I was, same thing. I just, I was just staring at them the other day when I was taking my dog for a walk. And because some of them are like hanging over the road now. And yeah. one of them is kind of dead. And I was like, I know I have to take that down probably within the year. And so I'm like, oh boy, you know,
1: <laughs> I, I,
3: I will tell you that when I
0: moved into my house in 2020, a tree came down four days later after we yeah. moved in. And and then after that, I just w- went around my property. We found one tree that we just, we were like, you know what? We're not taking any chances. And we, we, yeah. uh, you know, But anyway, sorry, this this was, I don't know why we got to stop trees, but this is a horrible tragedy, certainly in in Heritage Hills, without a doubt. And I know that um, just looking on social media, I know that people are talking about what they can do for the people at Heritage Hills. So maybe, you know, maybe that could be part of your story also, just
1: Uh, I was was just about to say, I've actually, you know, just with other stories developing in Somers, you know, like the uh, the miniature golf course proposed and just different things like that. I've actually had a lot more interaction with some of the people in Heritage Hills, like, you know, I guess I would call them like community leaders. And it is, you know, it's a, a very you know, tight knit community. And I think that they're already just from the, the chatter I've been and they're already, you know, working on ways that they can, you know, help out everybody impacted with this. So,
0: yeah, yeah, I guess, you know, fortunately also, I guess, you know, as a condo for the other other families impacted, I'm hoping things get rebuilt quickly for them. And How many units were destroyed? I think um, from what my dad said, just from talking to neighbors and Tom, you know, you might know more from any conversations you've had. But my dad is saying that it sounds like the fire did not spread further beyond possible damage to the next door unit. So it might just be uh, one other unit besides the person who died.
1: Yeah, it didn't seem like there was anything beyond those two.
2: Yeah, I'm sure there's firewalls, you know? Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, I don't know how effective firewalls are. I mean,
3: no, uh, but it, this is why when everyone, its I remember I sat in a Somers town board meeting when they debated these fire codes and what builders are required to use and stuff like that. And you know, this is why this stuff's so important. Everyone wants to rush things through, but, you know. Yeah, then God forbid when something happens, these are in place for a reason, these. these oh, people. yeah.
2: They didn't have nothing would gone like matchsticks, you know?
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: So I, I want to jump to another hot topic. I'm going to go to Brian about the Lakeland School Board. And I'll tell you, mm-hmm. the, the Lakeland School Board, it seems to be ground zero on a local level for the larger cultural debates taking place throughout the United States you know, everyone's heard of Loudoun County, Virginia and all that stuff. And San Francisco, they just recalled three school board members for various issues. And Lakeland seems to be, for some reason,
3: out of all our school school districts, Lakeland seems to be just the one that just really gets riled up. Yeah, I mean, I'll set the stage a little bit in the sense that this has been going on for probably close to a year. These meetings have been very hostile. And I think a lot of it started when the district, they haven't implemented any curriculum yet, but they are exploring the, you know, the diversity, equity, and inclusion, very controversial that it's critics like to say is just CRT in disguise, critical race theory yeah. that really has set people off for over a year now. And these meetings have just been filled with, you know, people shouting interruptions, you know, the school district hasn't necessarily handled it super well, in my opinion, either in how they've communicated this. And this has resulted in the resignation of the superintendent back in October. A school board member who is also sympathetic to the DEI cause also resigned shortly after. So, but the new interim superintendent, you know, she's not getting a break. There's no honeymoon period for her. Last meeting was just maybe the worst one we've seen yet. It was a meeting about the 2022-2023 instructional budget. And that's what they were trying to limit comments to and it did not go well you know the first speaker speaker gets up there and starts talking about mask mandate they cut her mic off so but that didn't stop her she kept screaming at the podium saying nobody cares about your budget you know you're hurting our children and Meanwhile, she's wrong
0: about that. People do yeah, care yeah. about the budgets, local school people's property taxes, you know, <laughs> yeah. Dude, when that, when
1: that yeah, tax bill yeah. comes, you'll care about the budget. She says yeah. local, school dist-
3: local school districts, by the way, can't control these mask mandates. And I think the board of red president has even said, like, if I was governor, there wouldn't be a mask mandate. I'd make it optional. And the next speaker gets up there and starts talking about how, why are we as taxpayers paying for illegal immigrants in the schools? You know, what are you doing about that topic? Blah, blah, blah. And again, it's controlled by, I actually, I think it's controlled by the federal government. I don't even think it's controlled by the state. And then the third speaker gets up there and starts kind of talking about pro-DEI. He says, you know, he holds up this thing where he's like, look, this is part of the budget. It says in your budget goals, this is DEI programs and curriculum and stuff like that. So it's kind of a gray area and the the school board gave him a little leeway, but then he starts telling these stories and, you know, he's not talking about facts and figures, which I think they wanted. And more giving uh, anecdotal things. And then people in the audience started shouting him down, saying he's not on the budget. Then, then all of a sudden, the school board president, uh, Adam Kaufman, says like, listen, if you guys can't behave yourself, we're going to stop public comment. And then that prompted somebody in the back of the audience to say, how very German of you, um, <laughs> to Adam Kaufman, who is a Jewish man. So he, of course, did not take that very well at the insinuation that they were being Nazis, um, which is obviously clearly what the guy meant. And, and there was some other... Things that people claimed were said, but I wasn't there. So apparently when the the other speaker got up and started talking about DEI, somebody shouted, this is in Harlem. But I didn't hear that. I couldn't hear it on the video. Other people swore they heard it, but it's not on the video. So it's it's hard to say what exactly was said. So we wrote about this meeting. I guess I should say we also spoke to the police chief, Robert Noble, who did confirm that additional officers were called to the school board meeting. Uh, There's usually one officer there but more were called because of the rowdy nature of this meeting. And while they were there, those officers assisted the school board members and the administrators with leaving the, because apparently the quote unquote, alleged hostile behavior in the parking lot. So they helped get them off the high school campus and chief noble. He, he gave us a quote saying, you know, so long as this continues, if, if people fear for their safety, we'll continue to be there. He gets, and he said, he hopes that civility soon prevails. That was his statement. And,
0: and I think it's important to note, you know, uh, you did get a statement from Magdalena Perlman of Save Our Schools that sort of right. try to distance, you know, those people who were, you know, accused of, and we still don't know who who might have allegedly
3: said. Um, well, we haven't gotten to that yet. I was getting to that. Sorry, now. I apologize. Yeah, yeah. All right. Sorry, Brian. <laughs> sorry. So after we went to press, it came out that the president of the Lakeland Federation of Teachers, Michael Lillis, that's the uh, local teachers union over in Lakeland. He claims, and this is secondhand information, that somebody said, as they were leaving the meeting, somebody said to Dr. Karen Gagliardi, the interim superintendent, they called her an Edward lover. And then they said to Dr. Tracy Norman, the assistant superintendent for instruction, they called him uh, an Uncle Tom and Dr. Tracy Norman is black. And then according to Lillis's claims, uh, Dr. Gagliardi had to call police because she was being followed to her home. And so this is where it's been a little challenging because this is secondhand information.
0: And I'm going to ask you about the yeah. veracity of the other thing. You so used. let me, let me
3: get to that. Yeah, I yeah.
0: apologize. I'm sorry. So
3: this, this is secondhand information. He did not witness this. The person who's relaying these claims is Mike Willis. He was, he was, he was not at the meeting. He did not witness this so far. We don't have any evidence that this happened. There's nothing on video. Um, we don't have any corroborating witnesses. I haven't heard anyone say, I also heard that. And the victims, the, the purported victims, Dr. Gagliardi and Dr. Norman, are not speaking with us. Right. So that's where it's, it's very difficult for us. I've heard from a source that Gagliardi and Norman did indeed tell Lillis that this happened. But until we hear from them, it's, it's really challenging to report on this because, you know, I'm not saying this didn't happen. This very well could have happened to them. But it's kind of this difficult thing of what's the threshold for publishing an allegation? That's First, really the challenging I'm facing. I know that Michael Lillis is pretty reputable source in the sense that he's teachers union president. He's not like just anyone making these allegations. So they are coming for a pretty reputable person. But at the end of the day, there's still secondhand information. And he didn't witness this. So it's 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 really hard to report on. But you did see another. Thing? Do you want
0: me to even mention it, or is it totally no, I, crazy? But,
3: but see, it, it, it's it's. I don't really want to get into it because it's yeah. just anybody making allegations. I mean, yeah. The thing the thing you're saying is that yes, somebody also claimed that a Yorktown for Justice person was acting rowdy and and was harassing both verbally and physically. But we and don't know that. We don't know it, if that. It, we, the, we have no yeah. clue if that's true. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, th- yeah. they say they saw it, but there's no evidence. So I mean, it's really hard when you have all these disputing claims going around about what happened. And unless somebody was there to witness it, it's really hard to uh, publish these allegations yeah of course of course
0: well, so, yeah, uh, kind
1: of irresponsible to move forward you know with that and i will say
0: this you know i mean at this moment i do want to move forward just for time constraints so i'm not gonna of course, i'm therefore. not gonna get into my opinions about about the various topics that could be for a whole yeah other, whole other i think topic. that's
3: so, i think that's also getting off topic and getting away from the issue but, but but i was but, yeah, yeah. but,
0: but I, I, I want i did want to say one thing it's a shame that this happened for two reasons. It's a shame it happened because obviously, if it happened, the alleged victims, that's horrible what they experienced. And, and I feel terrible for them. You know, someone feeling threatened, being followed home, that's terrible. And having epithets being hurled at people is horrible. But I also think it's I think it's just terrible for just having a conversation, you know, about whether things are good or bad in terms of policies. Let's have debates on policies and let's be civil. And I do think there's good people on both sides of these debates that have good intentions. And it stinks when a couple of people really spoil that for other people who are honest. And, um, yeah, I
3: suspect the people who showed up and made these, um, who were shouting, you know, the peanut gallery, I, I suspect they didn't, they were not interested in dialogue. I suspect they came there to make a disturbance yeah and and so and they got they kind of got what they wanted i guess you know so yeah yeah absolutely bob uh, i i muted
0: you because you were making all this shuffling noises with your hands and then i realized in my i wrote a chat telling you you know i muted you for that reason and i realized we're recording this video and people are going to see what i wrote to you so uh, anyway you can feel free to unmute yourself but um you, you were making quite a bit of noise with whatever you were shuffling anyway and, and in that spirit bob i will go to you if you will can, uh, unmute yourself
2: Uh, I was having a sneezing attack, and Uh so I kind of threw my headphones off so I wouldn't make any noise. Well,
0: Bob, I will tell you this. God bless you.
2: And it just came up on me out of the left field, so I didn't have a chance to mute myself. So, um, So since we're talking about school boards and mask mandates, I guess I'll segue into mine maya has its issues with that you know with people coming to school board meetings and complaining but obviously not on the scale that lakeland has had uh you know people get up and are shaking their fists and would like maya to defy albany and stuff like that of course they're not going to do it but the, what's going to happen tonight That would be the 17th at the school board meeting is they're going to have a presentation from a committee that they formed called the Education Reform and Advocacy Ad Hoc Committee, which is a committee that's made up of of board members as well as community members. And they're going to present their advocacy plan for local control. Our schools, our voice, our choice calling for more local control and more metrics to end mandates, vaccine mandates, mass mandates. And of course, we're talking about the school district. The president of the school board, Mike Mongan, wrote a letter to the governor's office that was also cc'd to Senator Harkham and Assemblyman Byrne, asking them to put more local control when it comes to these sort of things in the hands of school districts. They want The metrics that the Department of Health in Albany uses more spelled out, like the percentage of positive cases and percentage of of, of quarantine students, infection rates by zip code and age group. They want it spelled out, the type of data that's used in making these sort of decisions. So, I
0: have to ask you a question with this committee that's created. Is it a little bit of virtual signaling to constituents?
2: And that I'm um, just pure speculation because I think we all see a light at the end of the tunnel as these cases are declining rapidly. Um, in fact, Putnam County ended its vaccine and testing sites in Cold Spring and Carmel. Last week It was my front page story because a month ago there was lines around the block and now uh, it's crickets chirping. Nobody's showing up for these things. So they ended them. So... To have this, you know, put an end to mask mandates when I think it's gonna end organically anyway, might be something for the benefit of the audience, if you will. You know, that yeah, you know, hey, look, we're doing something. But you know, well, uh, yeah, I'll be, you know, watching the meeting tonight and seeing how it goes. So, I mean, that's the way it feels to me initially, but you know, it might be something there, a pacifier that they're using to placate. Their critics that they haven't done anything. This sounds like a committee that would have been more useful two months ago.
0: I, I will tell you the commentary. I'm you know kind of reading. You know things are magically changing, not necessarily because the, the pandemic has necessarily gotten better, but because we're getting closer to an election year and and people realize that pe- the people who were for mandates were realized they were kind of on a losing losing proposition with that. So I don't know. If that's just sort of the commentary i 'm reading i don 't know if i don 't know if that's true i don 't know you know if the pandemic is getting better or not. I read something this morning that said we 're almost certainly going to see another um, variant i mean who knows
2: yeah, well, you know as far as Omicron is concerned, you know it certainly seems to be on its last leg, especially here in the states like New York where it first hit Hospitalization rates are, are way down, and they 're almost down to zero here in Putnam county so like I said the Department of Health here in Putnam County ended. It's uh, vaccination sites and, uh, and it's test sites, which, like I said a month ago, were extremely busy. so
0: Bob, I, w- I want to jump over also um, to the, um, uh, and this is actually really relevant to all of our towns. You know, Kevin Byrne is not running again for assembly. We might have announced that in a previous podcast, but, um, you know, he is running for the uh, Putnam County Executive. And he, uh, on, the, on the night of February 16th, uh, he definitely had some good news for himself.
2: Yeah, he officially, and this is kind of a messy, complex story, um, not so cut and dry as it normally is with Putnam County Republicans. There's been a lot of infighting over this. Kevin made a decision last fall that he wasn't going to seek re-election as a state assemblyman. And he told me he has a, a new baby. It's like a year old. He wanted to work closer to home and not travel to Albany all the time, but still wanted to be involved in politics and do something. And so Marianna O'Dell, the current county executive has termed out. She's maxed out on her uh, can't run again. And so Kevin wanted to run for that.
0: Funny enough, by the way, I have a feeling being a county executive is probably a little bit more of a complicated job than being an assemblyman because, you know, with this assemblyman, you're, you know, you're, you're a legislator. You're not actually like controlling, you know, implementing laws. So I don't know. I I think right like accounting executives like the CEO. Yeah, yeah. So so I've gotta imagine that if if he if he gets his position, he's gonna be pretty damn busy.
2: Yeah, oh yeah. It's kind of funny. I mean, but some people might look at it as a step backwards as far as a political career is concerned, because, you know, it's county level, not the state level, you know. So it's a big fish in a small pond versus a small fish in a big pond. But, but yeah, he decided, you know, for whatever reason, he wanted to run for county executive. Now, in Putnam County, to get an elected uh, position as Republican, whether it's on a local town board or at the county level in the legislature, or certainly a county zone, normally you have to go through the GOP committee, and especially through Tony Scanapieco, who is the longtime chairman of the Republican committee. And these are not my words, so, but everybody has said, and I have it in some letters that I've obtained, saying you have to kiss Tony's ring and meet certain requirements to be given a shot at these positions. Kevin apparently was not Mr. Scanapieco's first choice. That would have been Carl Albano, who is a county legislature and who is also throwing his hat in the ring to get the GOP nomination. Last week, Kevin got the Conservative Party nomination. Last night, the sixteenth, as Brett mentioned, the Republicans met, and Kevin got it. Probably much to the chagrin of Tony Scanapieco. Now, let um,
0: me ask you a question: Do we know that for sure? That it was to, to the chagrin of him. The reason I ask that is, you know, I've got to imagine he has a pretty good relationship with Tony Scanapieco, even well, if he wasn't he, his top he, choice.
2: He might have, but yeah. Mayopac News has obtained a bunch of letters that Tony has written to GOP board members, basically calling out Kevin as being disloyal and dishonest and accusing him of all kinds of things, saying that he has brought the Republican Party in uh, Putnam County to the brink of broken. And, which um, which,
0: which I actually personally Look I don't live in Putnam County anymore I did but you know as, as an observer uh, And uh, as publisher of May impact news and as a reader of, of the paper that you edit Bob I, I get the feeling and also just from Just my interactions you know, limited interactions With Kevin I get the feeling he's a pretty nice guy. I don't know. He just seems like yeah, a really... he, he,
2: he, he is a nice guy. Yeah. I mean, whether you agree with his politics or not, you know, he's a good, he's like a wholesome guy, you yes, know, for exactly. lack of a matter. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, so anyway, the whole spin on this, what Tony was saying is that he alleges that Kevin accepted donations to his re-election campaign for assembly when he knew he wasn't going to run for it. Kevin claims he hadn't made a decision yet. He had a website. He collected donations. And right away, as soon as he made the decision to run for county executive, he offered everybody their money back that donated. And he said, zero takers. Even and that, that
0: being said, I think there's a I think it's a pretty regular occurrence in politics. I think people all the time they develop these packs and then they give money to other candidates. And right. you know, so yeah.
2: And what Kevin did is some people who said they didn't want their money back, he said, Well, how about I donate it to your favorite charity? And they said, Okay, do that. So Kevin took some of the money that he got. Because so I have the letter that Tony wrote to other GOP board committee members, I have the letter of Kevin responses, uh, who, who refutes it bullet point by bullet point, all the claims. And, you know, we'll be writing about this. Tony refers to Kevin's conservative nomination as wag the dog nonsense. In other words, he's implying, you know, it was the tail wagging the dog there with Kevin getting the conservative nomination. And he was basically saying, let him have that line. And he was encouraging everybody to vote for, even though he doesn't use him by name, but vote for Carl Albano instead. Last night, that didn't happen. Yeah. So, Who, by um,
0: the way, is also a really stand-up, nice guy. I like them both.
2: Yes. Yeah. In fact, I have a letter that Carl wrote to the committee members, basically distinct himself from Tony's letter saying he's not speaking on my behalf. I met with Kevin last October. We sat down and we both agreed to run a clean campaign. So I have nothing to do with these letters that Tony Scanopieco is writing to everybody. Also, have a letter from a gentleman named Nick Fannon, who is also on the GOP committee and is uh, Mary Ellen O'Dell's former campaign manager. Mary Ellen was at Carl Bano's party uh, two weeks ago when he announced his candidacy. But Nick came out defending Kevin. Basically, saying he has carried, uh, he has helped uh, Republican candidates. And it pains to see Kevin treated like this when he's helped to build the Republican brand in putnam county
0: so it's like a family squabble in a sense
2: yes yeah definitely and and it's kind of surprised because i know tony likes to keep everybody on the same page and marching to the same tunes but we saw it a little bit last year with the local election in carmel you know with aaron crowley and some of the other republicans forcing a primary and we saw what happened to her when it comes to this they do not fight cleanly you know so
0: no they they, they don't and, and tony hasn't i mean with investigating people i think just investigating people's backgrounds is it's kind of it's not like this is on the federal level so it's, it's it almost seems unseemly
2: yeah you know yeah. who knows what goes on you know in the smoke-filled back rooms but yeah I'm and then and then, and then
0: uh, people investigated tony also I, I mean i also think that's on the same movie
2: well you know what a funny thing is is yeah. you know yeah. you're you're referring to and i actually think it's a proper thing to investigate you
0: think it's proper to have like to hire private investigators
2: no no i'm not talking about private investigator the sheriff's department is investigating okay whether a scan of Pico's degrees are legitimate. He claims to have a PhD. See,
0: I, I, I think it's ridiculous that Putnam Sheriff, the Sheriff's Office is investigating that. I, I, I don't know. Well he,
2: they're they're not the attorney general is. I think no, it's ridiculous.
0: I think attorney, it's a waste of resources. Attorney, let's yeah. let's investigate get rid of heroin in well, Putnam uh, County.
2: Yeah,
1: investigated with like a Google search. Like uh, why, well, why well that's
2: the thing. Control? He has a diploma on his wall in the uh, I forget Loyola. They don't offer a doctorate program, and whatever he says yeah. he has, and, and he uses it, you know, on official stationery. So yeah. there is some, uh, you know, it is against the law. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, mean, I, I feel like it seems like off the echo. I mean, he sort of invited the scrutiny onto himself because he he investigates everyone else. But I don't know. I just think I think the back and forth is just kind of unseemly. I think the average person doesn't care and, and thinks it's ridiculous. But I don't know. That's just me.
2: These letters that Tony wrote, it's kind of humorous. Um, I, when I received it and I read through it, I was kind of appalled at how poorly written it was and all the typos and too poor syntax and stuff like that. But I thought, oh, well, and then... Scott Reing, who is chairman of the Putnam County Democratic Committee, took a red marker and corrected it. You know? I saw and that. Just, I
0: saw that. And
2: I, he printed it on, and he put it on Facebook. You know, it, it's pretty humorous, and everybody's like going, "So this letter was written by a person with a PhD." Yeah, yeah you know, you know
0: <laughs> a, 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 a I think that I think I think what Scott Reing did. I saw that. I thought that was <laughs> cruel. I just don't like when people are cruel to one another, and frankly, I don't like when people are cruel to us. I mean, I I look at commentary that you know on some of the social media about us i don't know i think people can be yeah, i don't
2: find that being cruel at all i, I, I think know. people
0: can be nasty i i don't i, yeah. I just I, I don't know i think because of social media we just evolved into just nastiness yeah. let's move on i'm sorry i apologize yeah. to brian and tom here but um i know
2: I, it's fun stuff though yeah but.
0: so um tom I'm, I'll, I'll jump back to you i know you wanted to talk about Some of the stuff going up with the Board of Education in your towns.
1: Uh, Yeah, just, you know, Board of Education meetings. And this kind of piggybacks off the earlier thing. Just, um, you know, the masks, uh, obviously not to the degree that uh, Brian's dealing with in Lakeland over there. But, you know, the the mask mandates and everything have still been a topic of conversation. More so in Somers. We had a few concerned parents get up and, you know, just the the same thing. Kind of like Bob's people where they want the, the school board to defy Albany and, you know, go against these mask mandates. It seems like this is sort of petering out. Um, both districts are going to be reevaluating after winter break, which we're kind of right in the middle of now. So, yeah, I, um, I don't know. I just you know, it seems like the way the wind's blowing is that this is going to be over sooner rather than later, at least hopefully for now, you know, kind of get back to normal. But, but it's right. going to be
0: yeah, on transportation and expl- transportation
1: ex- and sports will still be required. And, in- and,
0: and, and transportation, I know, is that's because of a federal thing, right? Right. Yeah. OK. And why, why
1: sports? Uh, sports, because it's like with, um, depending on, it'll be a little different. I I've actually yet to talk to the athletic director about what the spring sports are going to look like, but things that they consider like contact sports. So, you know, coming into like lacrosse season and things like that. So, but yeah, that'll, that'll be to see. And again, transportation, cause you are, you also are playing against students from other schools and districts and you don't know what kind of mandates they have.
0: Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Brian, I'm gonna jump back to you. We're gonna end this soon because I actually have another Zoom call, so I do have to get off uh, fairly soon. But I know you wanted to talk about a couple of things with the Your town School District, also, you know, electric bills. I know that's been the big t- hot topic, and 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 finally uh, Badat Gashi. So I'll let you jump into those three topics.
3: Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll be brief with the electric bills. We talked about this last week, basically. Yeah, a lot of people's bills doubled and tripled and now most of our a lot of local town boards, I know mine have have put together a resolution basically going against kind of requests for another rate hike, which would be 11% for electricity and 18% for gas. Uh, I think that's over probably kind of probably going to be spread out over a 3-year period, but you know, they're seeking another rate hike at a time when electricity is just uh, soaring through the roof and and people are getting these backbreaking bills. Uh, so that's obviously unpopular. The town held a rally at Jefferson Village last week, where most of the residents there, the senior population, has you know electric heat. So that was uh, it was tough tough month for them. Heating oil is up just as much as electric heat is, probably. So I, I don't think you know they're being unfairly targeted electric heat people. As someone who paid just nine hundred bucks for an oil delivery, it's not a picnic having heating oil either right now.
0: I will tell you this, uh, to just interrupt real quick. Uh, I don't think I've ever shared this with the three of you here. I've shared this with our salespeople because it really impacts you know our, our sales and the prices. You know uh, the cost of paper has gone through the roof over the past year. As you know, we're starting this coupon magazine. And the supply chain crisis has, has, has gotten to the point where printer we we're going to go with they couldn't get their hands on the paper we needed. So I've been scrambling the last few days to find another vendor. But we're going to lose money on this on on this coupon magazine the first at least the first go round because probably didn't price the ads right and you know we're probably going too heavy of a paper stock that you know that we kind of initially said we were going to do. But purchasing paper right now, I mean, from what I've been told from our print from printers. It's almost like, you know, putting money in the stock market. You know, there was stability, you know, up until a couple of years ago, but now it's like, it fluctuates like the stock market. It's, it's, it's been horrible for us. Luckily for us, for, for our newspapers, you know, we've kind of followed the coattails of Gannett. Gannett is a Fortune 500 company that they own our printer. They own um, North Jersey Media Group who prints our newspapers. And I have to say, I'm, I feel like we're protected in the least terms of supply from them, which is a good thing. But, you know, our prices for the newspapers have gone up through the roof. And also the, the delivery of our papers, you know, the, our tra- the, peop- the trucking uh, that we pay. I mean, that, that price has gone up a couple of times in the past year so. Anyway, this is why inflation is happening everywhere you know it's it's hitting our industry that means it's not just us I mean all our competitors are going to have to raise their prices as well mm-hmm. This, this is crazy, but anyway, I'm gonna let, let you.
3: No, I, I follow start. stock. I follow st- uh, financial news very closely, and I yeah. saw that like I was just looking at commodity markets the other day. You know, obviously everybody knows like lumber is at an all time high; it's ridiculous. And like I saw like corn is at an all time high. I was like, oh my god, the corn market is exploding. Which is um, probably
0: why your cereal boxes, you know, your, your cereal costs so much too. <laughs> Not the
3: corn market. Yeah. yeah, I know it's a great time to be a husker.
0: Corn's in almost every, like,
3: everything, all processed foods. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So yeah, something's going to give at some point. But I'll, I'll skip the books in Yorktown because that's an older story at this yeah. point. And move right on to Vedat Gashi. So Vedat Gashi is a county legislator who lives in Yorktown Heights. Uh, right now, he represents, I don't remember the exact district number off the top of my head, but he, he represents basically Yorktown and, and a part of Somers. He actually represents a part of Somers, part of Yorktown, I think all of Newcastle that's his area so what happened recently is up until it looked i mean still right now yorktown is represented by mondair jones in congress yorktown has 43 election districts 42 of them are mondair jones and one little tiny election district is uh sean patrick maloney you mean
0: new, new york has 40 42 no yorktown york has 42
3: 43 election districts oh oh you okay yeah, yeah. So Yorktown has 43 election districts. 42 of them are Mondaire Jones and one little sliver is Sean Patrick Maloney. Got it. Okay. All right. And and so Sean Patrick Maloney is, once again, I'm bad with the numbers. I think Mondaire Jones is like 16 and Sean Patrick Maloney is like 18 or something like that. Congressional district. So I think with the redistricting that it looks like likely to be approved by Albany. Um, That's, that's what I'm, I'm guessing I haven't been following too closely. But according to the new maps, District 17, which is represented by Jamal Bowen, out of Yonkers that you know that district represents uh you know a portion of the Bronx Yonkers, New Rochelle, that area, but now with redistricting, this little sliver goes down all the way up to Yorktown, northern Westchester, and somers so all of a sudden Yorktown is going to be represented by a down county guy who maybe his policies might be seen as a little too progressive for northern Westchester, mm. so that looks like it's opening an opportunity for some more moderate Democrats. And I know that a few have, have already thrown their hats in the ring, including Vidat Gashi, who last week filed, you know, to run for Congress. You know, I haven't, so, I haven't so, so
0: he's going to primary this. this, yeah, this Congress he's, a dem-
3: he's a Democrat as well. And Jamal Bowen. So he, he's likely it sounds like he's going to primary uh, Jamal Bowen. And I think there's a lot of I know Bowen is is actually lost some favor with Democrats because I think he voted against the Build Back Better bill. Okay. Uh-huh. So I think that has uh, cost him some support here. Did he did he vote against it because it wasn't progressive enough, or I don't know. Okay, I, I, I don't know.
0: I, actually, I know. I know the I whole follow the, the follow whole like,
3: yeah.
0: I know sometimes there's squabbles within the Democrat Party in Congress where you know some people think it's not progressive enough, some people think it's too progressive.
3: Well, so, either way, I mean yeah. his vote his vote didn't matter that much because it was passed comfortably, I think, in Congress, right? But it's where the Senate the works. Build Back Better. I forget. Yeah.
0: Uh, I don't I think, think no. Uh, oh, the House passed it. Yes, yeah, the yeah, Senate yeah. did not pass it. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yep, Passed yep, in
3: the House, and yep. so I think he, he he cast a very his vote. Um, lost him some support. I know that, like I said, so so I think people see him as vulnerable, and uh, you'll see might see a lot of Democrats in this area primary him this year. So if yeah. northern Westchester now has a new congressional district, or will have a new congressional district, and um, yeah, so <laughs> that's interesting there. I'm gonna I, I plan to call Vidot probably later today. So
0: P.S. If Build Back Better got passed by the Senate, it would greatly benefit uh, newsrooms across the United States, including ours, because there was a provision in there that basically would give Halston Media a massive tax credit for employing you guys, employing our designers who are considered journalists because they engage in our content so uh, I, I didn't entirely agree with the legislation politically, but it definitely would have had a nice impact on. on uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, anyway, gentlemen, thank you very much. Have a great week. I got to jump to another uh, Zoom call.
2: Thanks a lot. Bye, everybody.